Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello again. It is Crew Call presented by Flow Racing, the new home of NASCAR Roots. Uh, Crew Call, the program where we go in the garage and we talk to the men and the women behind the wrenches. I'm Steve Post, Pit Road Reporter for Motor Racing Network, joined by 25-time and winning crew ch- uh, championship winning crew chief, Todd Gordon. How are you? I'm doing great. What a great weekend of racing we just had. Yeah, Nashville Super Speedway. Todd, as that was unfolding, now I was on sprint car duty, so I got home, and um, uh, a tip of the cap to Winston Kelly, filling in, Um I hate that I almost did that to him with the heat and the rain. <laughs> I'm like, there's a bit of me that's feeling a little bit guilty about it. Um, but Winston Kelly filled in, so I'm at home. But as the race was happening and not happening and happening and not happening, Crew Chief Todd Gordon, what does that do to you as a crew chief when you have something like we had Sunday night? Yeah, it's it's, it's tough because everybody kind of, when you get to these delays that you know are going to, once, once the rain got there, the lightning delays, the pieces there, they're quick turnarounds. You're, you're kind of staying in the game. You're staying involved. Uh, you're staying engaged. Um, but once you got rain, that last one that was a couple hours long, then the pit crew gets back to the hauler. Then the, the guy, it's just a whole different dynamic. Yeah. And and when you come back from that, when you start to hear the jet dryers, you got to start kind of rallying guys back up. We got to get back into the mode. We got to get back focused on racing. And um, you know, it's it's you like the consistency. We as we as crew chiefs in the industry, we just once you once you turn that switch on and it's game time, you you, you want to keep going on it, and then to have to put that on pause, it's a challenge and one that you got to get back and get everybody focused back to to getting back in the game. Yep, no doubt, it really is. It's kind of tricky, that's for sure. When we talk about we've we've talked so much time about the off week and then the ten races up until the playoffs for the Cup Series. What did you see uh, that encouraged you for specific teams? What do you what, what did you see there as we start this important stretch drive? Uh, the piece that I look at is that as we go forward into this in this the run down to the final uh, the final nine, we still don't have a dominant player. No, we don't have a, a, a championship contender that you can say, "Hey, I'm going to put my money on this person." There, there's nobody. You see teams come and go. Um, things that were were kind of encouraging for me. Kevin Harvick, another decent mm-hmm. run. Not 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 the finish they wanted, but they ran in the top five most of the day, um, ran it up there. So I, I feel like Rodney's got to feel good about where their program's progressing to. Um, you know the the, the Penske guys. I, I'm I'm, I'm yep. going to talk on the Ford side, but because we've talked about the struggles of Ford, but I felt like all the Penske cars ran pretty well. Um, I, I think I think Blaney was was knocking on the door, and and if that race runs daytime, I think he's got a better shot at it. I think we saw a decent transition to the racetrack. Yeah, from being true. a daytime race to, mm-hmm. to that long delay being a nighttime race. Chase Elliott wasn't that good before before that delay. But after the delay, when it cooled back down, a grip grip came back to the racetrack, Chase came forward. So uh, we're seeing teams adapt. Uh, we're, we're seeing – I think it's going to be a great playoff run. I think it's going to be different than any other playoff run we've had because we don't have, like, that group of these yeah. are playoff cars. We've, yeah. we've got guys that – 
go look superior and then they look terrible and then they look good again and then they I think the only one that has shown semblance of consistency has been Ross Chastain, probably. Completely agree with you. That's the only guy that you can say. That's the and and who saw that again, this has been the topic of the year. If you said midseason, tell me the one guy that's been the mark of consistency, we would have gone a whole long time before we got to Ross Chastain. He seems to be the one that seems to be constant. Him and Phil Surgeon, no matter where we go, road course, short track, big track, they seem to have gotten something really good with their program. I actually earlier this week, I I, the the morning drive guys went serious. We're talking about that. I called in to have a conversation with him because, uh, you know, Bagley brought up that, you know, the first round of the playoffs is one that you just need to – it's a base hit round. That's what right. I always just call it. This right. is our base hit round. We don't need to win here. We just need not to shoot ourselves in the foot. I don't know that rounds one and two aren't both base hit runs, and I'm not so sure that round three may not be as well. And that's the piece. Consistency. You may not need to win races yeah. to make yourself to the final four because – Somebody's still moving out on the basis of – well, somebody will, and I think you're going to have really good cars. As as inconsistent as a performance has been yeah. for every organization, yeah. I think you've got the opportunity this year to see really good cars get bumped out in the first or second round, and then they end up winning the races in the third round, and then we end up a points race to get to the final yeah. four. So it's the next-gen car has brought a whole new yeah. twist to this game. I think it's going to be exciting. Going to be exciting, that's for sure. Alan Gustafson picked up his second win of the season with Chase Elliott, so they're rolling along, looking good, looking solid. Two, uh, two concrete two wins. Two concrete wins, exactly. Uh, on the Xfinity side, Jason Burdett over with Justin Allgaier, Junior Motorsports. Uh, they seem to have found the stride. They won Darlington not too long ago, and now they pick up the win here. Um, you know, Junior Motorsports, one of those – I, I really love – there are some teams that just always seem topsy-turvy, and then there are other teams that just seem solid. You know, we see the Hendricks, the Penske's uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the cup side. Junior Motorsports, Jason Burnett, Justin Allgaier, they've been together forever. Mm-hmm. They just keep hammering away at it, and here we are now. All of a sudden, they're, they're, they're starting to get some pretty good, pretty good performances together. So good for those guys, and two just great guys. Jason Burnett, just one of the nicest guys on the planet. And, you know, we always talk about – we always try to get new winners on, mm-hmm. okay? And the way our production schedule was and has been and is, we recorded last week's show early. I know. Oh, my gosh. Uh, the, the mystery <laughs> of the the, uh, the the secret sauce of making it. Um, Seth Smith, crew chief on that number 17 truck, is two has won the last two races, and it was his first two career wins. Todd Gilliland winning at Knoxville and Ryan Priest winning at um, out at Nashville. So um, some great wins up at Nashville to get us jump-started down this portion of the season. And yes. Yeah, so neat stuff. We are going to talk today to Blake Harris, who is the crew chief for Front Row Motorsports. Blake, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just really curious. This has been another one of those teams. We, it, it's, it's not Ross Chastain, you know, or Trackhouse Racing. But they're that next tier that we talk about less frequently, but we talk about, oh, you know who's also doing pretty good? Michael McDowell, Front Row Motorsports. Yeah. They've stepped up a number of times this year. They've had some really good runs, and and, and across the board has been pretty good. Yeah, I, I would I would have said that, you know, you look at it, and Michael and, and that program have been really good at the super speedways. They've right. figured out yeah. how to be around at the end of that yeah. thing. Michael's a really good road course racer. Uh, so, so, you know, and let's talk to, let's talk to Blake about, yeah. you know, what we got left in the last nine. We've got, there's the key. There's a bunch, there's five of the last nine that are road course and speedway races. But on top of that, you go back a couple weeks, they legitimately led laps at Gateway. 
I know. An oval. Not not they didn't yes, they got track position from from great strategy, strategy. from Blake. But they hung up there and they ran up there and in you know, a solid top ten effort all day long at Gateway, come back to very a top five solid run at Sonoma. Yep. Uh they're they're building the right things. It'll be fun to get a get yeah. a little glimpse of what uh what Blake feels that, that they've done because they they've they've definitely this is the best at front rows run ever. Ever. No doubt about it. So Blake Harris is our guest here this week. Subscribe to Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR roots, featuring the Wheel and Modifieds, the Arkham Menard Series, the Pinty Series, and NASCAR Weekly Tour Races. The headliners this weekend, Arca West is at Irwindale, and I cannot beg you enough if you love stock car racing to watch this one Saturday night, South Boston Speedway, the Harley-Davidson 200, NASCAR Late Model Stocks, part of the Virginia Triple Crown. They have a whopping 47 entries. So they're going to whittle that down a little bit for the A-Main, but the best late model stock drivers in the country will be gathered at South Boston Speedway. Weekly Racing, the Advanced Auto Parts Weekly Series, Autodrome Granby, Riverhead, Berlin, Jennerstown, Florence Motor Speedway, Langley Speedway, Lacrosse Fairgrounds, Evergreen Meridian, and Alaska Raceway Park. You can subscribe at www.flowracing.com. Subscribe today. Stay with us. Blake Harris, he joins us next. NASCAR Grassroots Racing is full throttle every week on Flow Racing, where you can stream over 1,300 events live and on demand and access exclusive coverage. Subscribe to Flow today to see NASCAR legends, past, present, and future, go head-to-head with hometown heroes at tracks like Bowman Gray, Meridian, South Boston, and more. Find your next favorite driver by going to flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. That's flowracing.com forward slash go MRN. The NASCAR season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back. It is Crew Call, presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR Roots. We talked about it uh, during the opening segment, uh, the success of Front Row Motorsports this year, the great runs they're having, and joining us from Front Row Motorsports up in Statesville, North Carolina, Crew Chief for Michael McDowell, Blake Harris. Hello, Blake. Welcome into Crew Call. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Nice, nice job. Blake, uh, big picture. 2022, kind of assess where you guys are at, how it's going, uh, the goods, the bads. What you what you, what you guys are uh, what you guys are working on up there? Yeah, in general, um, I feel like the last couple of months. I mean, we've we've been able to kind of outrun maybe where we're expected to be. Um, you know, starting the season, you know, realistically, uh, goal wise, I mean, you just got to think that for our team and and where they've been at in the past, just running week to week inside the top twenty is is going to be a solid day. I mean, I. 
you know, you look, look across the board. I look every week, um, even when you have good finishes and you can count a lot of good cars, uh, you know, behind us when, when we're able to finish in the top 15 even. So, um, you know, I always look at it. You've got close to 24, what I call big kind of manufacturer, solid back teams. And um, anytime we're able to run in front of those guys, I, I think it's solid. So in general, we started, uh, felt like we started a little slow, had a good Daytona. We struggled at some short tracks, um, you know, each week for us, even when we struggle at a, at a style track, um, we try to take opportunity to, you know, maybe eliminate some things off the list of, you know, things that we try. And, and as we've been going into the season, um, you feel like that list has gotten smaller and, you know, we'll go to a place and hit on something and, and kind of create a good baseline and, and really just work off of that. Um, I think Coda, we were terrible. Michael's really good, right. You know, road course driver. And we left Coda with some things circled that we felt like we had wrong and, and, went back to Sonoma with a completely different, you know, perspective on things. And, and obviously now I feel like we've got a decent baseline for our road courses. So really excited about, you know, what we've built at, you know, gateway Nashville, short tracks, moving into those, um, you know, I think we were 25th to 30th early on at the short tracks. I mean, way worse than we, we should run on any, any given day, in my opinion. So um, it's just that, that whole, the whole season's kind of been like that for us. We, we hit, fairly decent on their intermediates early on um, with like Vegas and Fontana. So I feel like we were able to build our intermediate program a little bit quicker and it took us a little longer to get a hold of some of the short track and, and road course stuff. But um, feel like as a whole, you know, we've got some decent baselines where um, if we can get the balance right and get Michael comfortable, even within the window, um, you know, we're able to feel like we're a top 15 car. It, you, you talked about it and then gateway, I mean, legitimately led laps for, for quite a bit of that. You got him some great track position, but I thought you, you raced up front in the top 10 a lot during that day. Um, has, and, and you talked about, you, you kind of found the balance piece. Do you find, we used to talk a lot about aero balance. Now that we've got a car that's the same for everybody, is it more working mechanically or is it still the aero pieces that you're focusing on? Yeah, I think the aero part of it is just as important as it's ever been. You just, you have a smaller delta between the small teams and the big teams from a development standpoint, right? So um, being able to maximize the downforce that you have, um, you know, I, there's no way to think that we still don't have less than the big teams and we're always going to have less. We're not, you know, we don't have wind tunnel data and we're not working week to week with, you know, Hey, we got another five counts here, another 10 counts there. Like we're, we're still going to be a little bit behind on that. So we just have to be smart about making sure that our car is well balanced week to week. Um, and I feel like that's been our strength, uh, you know, especially like long run wise, you know, Darlington, we had a really good run. Our long run car, I feel like was solidly in the top five all day. Like even if we were running 12th towards the end of the run, I mean, we were, we were flying and, and I just think we've been able to places that have decent degradation, even Charlotte, uh, Sonoma, uh, we've really been able to concentrate on trying to have a, a decent balanced car throughout the runs and that's just kind of where we bank on guys are going to some slip up and michael's going to do a good job of, of keeping the car underneath him so you know i think the the balance perspective from a mechanical standpoint um is equally as important but you know platform and, and aero side we've got to be maximizing that just to try to keep up with the big teams 
Michael McDowell, your driver, he's been around for a long, long time. Uh, of course, we, we know his super speedway prowess. We know how good he is there. What types of things have you learned about him as a race car driver, being his crew chief? I, I, something you just said kind of triggered that is that we know Michael will keep the car underneath him, and maybe when someone missteps have it. Uh, how, how good is Michael as a race car driver? Yeah, I, th I think what's important for me in the position that I'm in is just having a guy like Michael, a veteran driver, right? I think um, with a lot of the guys that are coming up through the series, yeah. younger guys, younger talent, um, it's not a bad thing, right? I mean, it's exciting for the sport. Uh, there, there's a lot that that's, that's important to have, but for a guy like me, I, I don't, I can't spend in, in my position and in, in being a new crew chief, I can't spend half the session trying to figure out how to get him to drive a track or the race car. And, and for us to unload, um, we're, if I, I honestly feel like if we get the balance close, we can go run in the top 15, top 10 anywhere. And this is tracks that historically Michael's maybe not been that great at. Um, I think the combination of his experience, um, you know, I think something that gets lost is some of these veteran guys, they've been through all these different aero packages that, that NASCAR's had over the years. So you, you go to some of these tracks and whether it was a, if it drives like a car that was like in 17 or a car that was like in 20 with the aero balance, you know, I think as time has gone, you, you see certain aero balances of, of the vehicles fit drivers. And I think that some of these veteran guys have seen so many of those that um, they're maybe less uncomfortable in certain scenarios at certain tracks. You know, we, we know, you know, we have an idea of what this aero balance feels like in past history to certain years on cars, even though, you know, we're heavily weighted on the diffuser now and not the splitter. And there's a lot of things that, that are different mechanically and how you're making those cars work. Like, you know, and he knows when we go to a track, like, Hey, if I can get into turn three here, we're going to be okay. And, and still turn on exit, you know, and that's, that's what we work around. And, and I think that stuff is, is really important, but I mean, I, I think Michael's doing a great job. I, I don't, you know, I think Gateway, you brought up Gateway. Gateway was really important for us as a team. I think Michael is a driver and all of us, like we kind of jumped some track position on some guys. You know, we we took rights early and then we stayed out um, when no one else had at that point. We put him in, in position to lead laps and take control of that race at a deficit. And he hasn't, I don't think, had that opportunity a lot in his career. So for us to have a couple restarts, um, for him to take the lead, start driving away from some guys that had better tires, all that stuff's important, you know, because I feel like at, at some point we're going to have an opportunity to do that at the end of a race. And I don't think we need to expect him or as a team to execute that for the win being the first time we've had to do it. So even though we didn't win that stage, the caution came out, um, you had a little bit of a, a bad pit stop that lost us a little bit of the track position. And we had a restart at the end of the day, felt like it kind of fell apart. You know, I think we've been able to walk away from all those days that we've had those opportunities and, and use them as something that we can apply for the future, you know, for, for when we have those opportunities to win a race. Great stuff. Great stuff. So you, you alluded to veteran driver and, and you being new to a crew chief, what's been the biggest challenge for you uh, in the transition to being a crew chief? Yeah, I, I think, um, I think the, a little bit of the lack of history, that we have with, with this car. Right. And it, you know, I'll use last weekend as a perfect example. I mean, I think I made a terrible call <laughs> along with, you know, a handful of guys. I almost feel like I got baited into coming down pit road with them, you know, because I wanted to, I, I wanted to preserve, we were having a solid day in a top 10 and 
I, I didn't want to be seventh or eighth on tires with everybody, you know, with no tires and everybody on tires behind us. Um, you know, so some of that stuff, maybe some of those guys that have been doing it a little longer, you know, have a little more confidence in those scenarios and, and I'll definitely learn from, from those mistakes. But I, you know, I think that's the, the biggest thing for me is I feel like when we have the opportunity to capitalize on things from the veteran side, Michael does a really good job, right? Like he's not going to go bounce it off the fence 10 laps into the race. He's going to know where his limits are and even maybe drive a little bit under the limit to make sure we can get to the end of the race because, you know, we'll go into a race and I'll say, Hey, I really feel like there's going to be a lot of attrition today. We need to be running at the end. If we do that, we have enough speed that we can, you know, pop in the top 10, maybe have a shot at the top five. And he does a really good job of that. So the rookie side of me wants to make sure that I can capitalize on all the things that he's doing. Um, You know, and it's just the learning curve, you know, uh, of the car along with all the other things that, that I need to learn from, the new position as well. And, and just being able to make sure, uh, you know, I'm making the right calls to put us in, in position. And in general, I feel like this year we've, if we're a 12th place car, we've had some opportunity to finish eight, you know, or ninth, and we'll squeak into the top 10. Um, so I think last week was a little bit of a, of an exception of finishing worse than maybe we ran for the day. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll do better in the future. Six top 10 finishes, career best for Michael, and we're halfway through the season. So I would say it's working very, very well. Blake, when I look at your career path, uh, you moved out to Denver, Colorado, um, early 2010s. You moved out there to Furniture Row Racing, uh, ended up with a championship. Uh, You have 25 wins that you were part of. But when you moved to Furniture Row Racing, it was a struggle to get a 30th place finish. Um, you make the move from Joe Gibbs Racing to Front Row Motorsports. I think you can make the case that Front Row is probably in better shape now than Furniture Row was when you went there. But were there lessons you learned building that team, watching guys like Todd Barrier and Pete Rondo and guys like that, building that team at Furniture Row, that you can apply here to Front Row as you guys continue to do the same thing? Yeah, I think I think all of it is applicable you know i mean my time at jgr um, i started at evernham with a bigger company and went to furniture row every i feel like everything that i've kind of learned and been able to pull from each place plays a little bit of part in you know how you want to try to help this race team grow um i you know moving out to denver um evernham transitioned over to ford um i had an opportunity to go out there and continue my career with, with some different opportunities and ended up becoming the car chief a couple of years after I moved out there. I, I think the biggest part now that, that applies from the furniture row days is understanding, you know, not being afraid of the challenge of, of knowing that you can go into something and wherever they're at, make it better. And, and that didn't happen overnight at, at furniture row by any means. I mean, we, we slowly built, you know, that into something, you know, that it was obviously at the end of it, be able to contend for championships the last few years that we were there but you know it, it really to me it's just it's just people I mean I we slowly built a group of guys out in Colorado um, that were capable of just kind of rallying together and, and understanding the things that that you needed to to be able to compete week to week and with a lot of things stacked against you and, and I you know I feel like the small team side feels a little bit like home to me. You know, I, I love, I love Gibbs. I love Evernham. Super grateful for all the opportunities that I had there, but you know, uh, spending nine years with furniture row racing, um, you know, there, there's something to being able to come back to the shop and, 
you know, have an opinion and, and talk to one or two guys and you're like, Oh man, that, that's on our race car this week. It, it's that that's fun to me. Uh, you don't have to wait for a bunch of people to agree on something always. And now it's not always the best. I mean, you, you can make that decision and it go the wrong way. And there's a reason why those, <laughs> the bigger teams may be doing a different way at times, but um, you know, it, it, it feels a little bit more like, you know, uh, what I grew up doing. I mean, you, you got your group of guys and you're going racing week to week and, and it, it's fun to have those guys rally around you. And, and, and it's, a, like I said, it's, it's a little bit different than, than the big team stuff. But, you know, I, I feel like some of the processes that I learned at Joe Gibbs Racing and the way that they operate with the big teams, those are just as important to, you know, try to help implement here as we continue to grow and, and get the consistency of the cars, you know, week to week. I mean, all, all that stuff plays in. But, um, you know, the furniture row side definitely probably – helped me the most with not being afraid to step into a smaller team and understand that it really doesn't matter where they're at when you step into it. If you get the right people and you make the right decisions and, and you have land the right opportunity with combination of, you know, driver, crew chief, engineers, mechanics, and, and everybody's on board and pushing and pulling in the same direction. Um, you know, you can outrun where you should run every week. And, and I think that's a little bit of what we're doing right now. And it looks that way. As you look at the last few races, uh, handful of races you guys are building that big momentum looking forward to the last nine races of regular season I know you're not in a position points wise really to point your way in but you you got to you got to almost be excited about I mean you got five racetracks that I would I would put you guys as having legitimate shots of winning uh with Road America Watkins Glen Indianapolis Road Course and Atlanta and Daytona which I, I think you know you guys your program and Michael have been really strong at Speedway so uh you got to look really forward to that that schedule coming up yeah, that's exciting. I mean, what, what's been exciting to me the last few weeks is we've taken places that maybe haven't been the best in Michael's history or the team's history, and we've been able to find ourselves inside the top 10 at times. So, you know, to me, those laps led and the restarts and stuff at, at Gateway, while those were important, Sonoma was another type of weekend that we haven't had yet. You know, we qualified in the top five. Um, I think we only spent a handful of laps outside of the top five after after a cycle of stops. And, um, you know, we essentially ran top five into the top three and, and was able to pull the finish off. I mean, we just had a, a solid day. And, you know, all those things I think are important to, you know, leading up to when we do get an opportunity to, to put ourselves in position to capitalize at the end. So, um, you know, each piece, each week, being able to feel like you can get into the top 10 and run there is the, is the first step to be, to be able to win one of those races and, and definitely have a handful of these tracks coming up in the next nine weeks that circled all year that, that we're working really hard on because, you know, I feel like, you know, Michael's already really decent there. And if we can just bring him a good solid car, um, put ourselves in a position to capitalize and hopefully get in the playoffs. Specifically this weekend, Road America, what are the big challenges? What types of things do you need to do? What have you learned about this car that you need to apply to give Michael, who has won there in the Xfinity Series before, what types of things you need to have on that car this weekend up at Road America? Yeah, my, Michael's been super helpful for Road America. I've, I've only been there once. I didn't spend any time in the Xfinity Series, so I went there last year. So we've leaned heavily on him, you know, on, on his comments of how Coda and Sonoma and the things that we've learned at each of those this year will apply to Road America. Um, but, you know, Road America is is a little bit similar to Sonoma. I mean, you, 
it's definitely more high speed, more braking. Um, so anything that we may have struggled with at Sonoma, we definitely need to pay attention. You know, that's going to pop up a little bit more so at Road America. And then, you know, it's definitely unique as, as in it, it's a little bit more worn out. Um, Four drive is going to be a little bit of an issue compared to some of the other road courses that we go to. So, you know, all those things are definitely on our radar. Um, you know, Road America prep wise, just like Sonoma for us has been super important. I mean, we spent a few weeks in the simulator working on that. So, um, you know, I think, uh, I think definitely coming off a strong run at Sonoma plays a big part in, in what we're going to do for Road America and, and feel, uh, feel really excited about how that weekend went and how we can apply all that moving forward. What do you think that the new car will bring to Road America that will be different from last year's inaugural race there? Uh, I, I'm interested to see with the big braking zones, you know. Um, I think Coda, with what they did with all the rumble strips and, and moving some of the all, – all the curbs out of the way, I think that place maybe took away from some of what we could have seen without the rain the year before in the old car. But I'm excited to see – the guys that can generate the runs off off the last corner there get a run down the straightaway and just see how aggressive these guys are going to be out breaking. You know, we saw a little bit of lockup issues even at Sonoma, um, with you know, which is you've, we've seen in the past with the old car. I just think, you know, you're going to get guys with runs and not quite have a good enough run getting down into one, and we're going to see who can outbreak. And when one goes in too deep, I, I just think you're going to have guys get a little more gutsy in those breaking zones. Um, one thing that that road America allows for. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see how all that's going to work out. Um, you know, I think in general, you know, you're not going to have quite the fall off that we've had in the past there. Um, so I think you'll see more of that across the run instead of guys just coming and going and driving up through the field. Um, you may see some, some decent battles back and forth. And I think that that place allows for that more so than some of the other road courses we've been to. The other characteristic about Road America beyond the, the worn surface that you talk about, the braking zones, the high speed, the, the, that sort of thing, is just the, the duration of the lap, four miles around that racetrack. When it comes to strategy, when it comes to how this plays out, how does that factor in? How, what, what types of things are you conscious about knowing that this is very unique in the, in the amount of time you have uh, uh, between laps? Yeah, I, I think, you know, from what I learned last year, communication is going to be big. You know, it, whenever you want to pit, when your window's open, making sure that you're, you know, you have that scenario played out in the event that you catch a caution, but be able to communicate all that to the spotters and the driver. You know, if you see something um, that that's going to make sure you hit that window is going to be very important. And I just, you know, I remember last year, again, my first trip there, I was like, man, I can hear like one guy and the driver for like a thousand yards. So um, hopefully as the, as the crew chief plugged into the big antenna on the pit box, that's going to help some, but um, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely something that's, that's on our radars, making sure that we don't get ourselves in a scenario. I mean, Sonoma, even, you know, half, half the length of road America, we, we hit that pit stop by one lap. Like we literally pitted and half a lap later is when the five wheel came off. So, you know, the six behind us was waiting, I think one more lap and that changed their day. I mean, they got pinned back in traffic and had to drive back up through there. So, um, you know, part of that execution was a little bit luck. Um, we kind of went off a gut call just off of the guys that, that pitted in front of us to, to make sure that we didn't, um, you know, get jumped too much by too many guys and it just worked out for us. So I think that, you know, that's definitely got us on high alert for road America to make sure we don't put ourselves in a position to, to lose track position. Cause I mean, you're just, 
I don't think you're going to, no matter how good your car is, you're not going to restart 15th or 20th, you know, late, late in the race and be able to overcome that. Yeah. And you talk about that, the four mile length, having to pit three laps before the end of the stage, that, that play still plays, you would think going forward, right? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think there's some scenarios depending on how many guys do it. Um, you know, where you could maybe drive through the first stage if you're in a situation where you, know, you feel like you can get some stage points and, and still do that. But as big as that place is and as spread out as it's got in the past, you know, there's still opportunity, kind of like we saw at the end of the second stage at Sonoma, to be able to pit and, and come back out in front of some of those guys and still score stage points. So I think it it depends on, you know, how how the field gets spread out throughout those stages. But for the most part, I mean, you know, for us talking about the win, the opportunity to win um, for, for Sonoma, even it was like, we, we have to preserve track position to give our, our shot ourselves a shot to win the race. And to do that was, you know, pit before the stage and, and making sure we restarted up front um, every scenario. Blake, always enjoy uh, getting your perspective on the NASCAR racing, but you also have a very fascinating life outside of NASCAR racing uh, on the technical end of it, uh, you are co-owner of a suspension company, KH Suspension, and I was on the website this morning, and I see all kinds of great pictures of sprint cars on there, uh, including uh, including a guy named Brent Marks, who on Monday night at Lincoln Speedway just absolutely took it to everybody, including some guy named Kyle Larson. As a as a guy who builds components for sprint cars and other types of cars. Um, what's, what's it like to watch that and to see success for your drivers? Uh, I know Spencer Baston won a world of outlaw race last week. We're not one in your suspension pieces. What, what does that bring to your life as far as, uh, the, 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 the business, but also the personal satisfaction, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, the, the business for me this year, especially has changed a little bit. I mean, I'm sure everyone's well aware of the time that this takes over the the yeah. last job that I had. Yeah. So um, that, that, that's definitely changed a little bit, but you know, I'm going to go back to the people aspect of it. You know, I started this company when I was in Colorado with, with our shock specialist that was on the 78 team. And um, you know, I, I had raced growing up. I raced in Colorado when I was still shop based and I got to know a lot of the local guys and, you know, I've really enjoyed staying connected with the local racing and, and it's always been a challenge, you know, the same challenges we have in, in cup racing um, is no different at the lower level. Uh, you just got a lot less information to work off of. And, you know, at the time I, I had a lot of fun being a part of that. And I mean, we have, you know, we have guys all over the, all over the country that run dirt asphalt um, and even some guys uh, over in Australia and, and Canada that, that we do work for. And, so anyways, my business partner's still out in Colorado. When Furniture Row shut down, he moved down to, to Pueblo, just south of Denver. Um, he still runs our, our a lot of our, our company today. I mean, he does side-by-side stuff, racing stuff. I mean, he's just kind of, you know, all aspects of suspension. Um, well, when I moved to back to North Carolina and got hooked up at JGR, once we kind of had the COVID racing, one of our shot guys at JGR stopped traveling. And, and he grew up around sprint cars, Drew Bible. Um, you know, he... he was super embedded with, uh, with just the open wheel world. And he wanted to get, you know, wanted to get back in, in racing. And he's like, man, I'm thinking about looking at some sprint car stuff. And I'm like, man, well, you know, I already have a business. Like we have the factory cane dealer deal. I was like, we got, we have dinos. I was like, I mean, if you want to, if you want to try this, I mean, this, this is easy. Let's just plug you in and get after it. And, uh, and since in the last couple of years, uh, you know, Drew's gone full-time for us earlier this year and, and I mean, he just, he's a big part of what we've built on the East coast and, and he, you know, 
Drew's, I always tell everybody, I was like, Drew's in a little different place in life than, than I, than I am. And, and my business partner, Nick, I mean, we both have young kids and, and Drew's kids are grown and, and he, he loves getting back to the racetrack. And I mean, he's at Millbridge on the week. He goes from PA to Florida. I mean, he goes anywhere. There's a sprint car race. And, um, you know, so it's been fun to see over the last year and a half, really how the East coast division has grown. And now, you know, we're starting to see the overlap of like Drew and Nick's work all over the country and, you know, to where now our stuff's just kind of everywhere. And, and it's, um, it could be on midgets, micros, sprint cars, world outlaw cars. And, and last week was really cool. We had a, a world outlaw and all-star win in the same week. And to me, um, that, that was pretty important. I mean, my, my dad, Grant, my dad ran race cars for or race sprint cars for 20 years. That's kind of what I grew up around. So the open wheel stuff, the dirt stuff's really, really still hits home for me. And, and it's cool to see now, um, you know, I've been super busy this year with everything that I've had going on and to see those guys to kind of take over what I was a part in starting and, and, and keep running it, managing it day to day um, to where I don't, you know, really have, have to deal with, the customers when I'm busy, it, it's really cool to still be a part of that. And of course, as you know, I go to the chili bowl every year with my dad. And so now it's cool when I go there to see all the guys, you know, that, that, that work for us and, and are partners with us uh, to go run well at events like that. And it just, um, you know, all that off time, I have a little, little extra to do. <laughs> yeah. Drew has done a great job with that. Some of those cars uh, and, 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 and the guys he's dealing with Heath Moyle, who is the crew chief for Brett Marks, um, Barry Jackson, the, the crew chief and general manager for CJB for Spencer based teams. They are some of the smartest guys. And so to be aligned with those guys and to Drew to work with them and then to see the victories, that's got to be neat. Okay, I want to go way off track now. Now, you were married to Caitlin Vinci. Of course, we love Caitlin Vinci. We watch her work. We see what she does. But I understand also that you are quite into music. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, there was even a scholarship potential in, uh, in uh, college I think a saxophone player. Um, are you still into music? Do you, with, with everything else, do you get much chance to enjoy music as far as performing or doing anything with it? No, nah, I mean, we, you know, Caitlin and I both love music. I mean, we will go to concerts whenever we can. Um, you know, any chance that we can go to dinner and there's live music somewhere, we try to find that. As far as um, any involvement with me playing anything anymore, not, not really. I mean, I, um, when my daughter was first born, you know, I'd play around with her a little bit on the piano and, and guitar and stuff, but haven't, uh, haven't made the time to, to do much of that. I, I did have a, a couple scholarship opportunities out of high school, um, for music as well as academic, but, um, I decided to move to North Carolina and play with race cars instead, but, uh, definitely something we, we both enjoy. What's the, uh, what's the music of choice? What's the, uh, what, what, what type of music? What's, what's the favorite stuff for you guys to go out and catch maybe live? I mean, I, I think, I think everything, I mean, um, you know, I, I, I would say in general country music is, is the majority of what, what we go see for concerts and stuff, but, um, man, I mean, anything, I, I'm sure you know her well enough. It, yeah. it doesn't matter if it's classic rock or country or, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. It, we, we love all of it. So it's neat. It's neat. I got into, um, I've got into like Texas, uh, Texas music. I watched a guy named Dale Watson out at Memphis and, uh, Kind of love the Texas honky tonk scene. I really like that. So pretty neat <laughs> that's stuff. A good, pretty that's neat a good stuff. scene to, to like. Yeah. yeah, pretty neat stuff. That's for sure. As is everything you've got on your plate, Blake. We uh, congratulate you on a great, great run this season. Great, great performance. Uh, we look forward to that first win coming up uh, wherever it might be here down the stretch. But we appreciate you joining us here on Crew Call. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me.
There we go. Blake Harris joining us, the crew chief up at Front Row Motorsports, driver Michael McDowell. Stay with us. We've got more crew call in just a moment. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. It is Crew Call presented by Flow Racing, the home of NASCAR roots, flowracing.com. That's flowracing.com. Steve Post and Todd Gordon here. Wow. Uh, Blake Harris, what a pleasure it was to chat with him. I'm telling you what, I love the uh, the way he broke situations, scenarios, um, yes. in, in all aspects down. Fascinating stuff. Yeah, really cool. Really cool. And and to talk talk back about being part, and you brought it up, being part of a team, that, that a smaller team that built themselves from yeah. the end of the back to being a championship contender. Um, and, and everything he's learned, whether it be Everham and, and out there and then to Gibbs and uh, doing a great job with it. And, and I really thought he's systematic. He's got a plan. You know, it seems yeah. like everything, there's a, he, he's got a plan to what's going on. Talking about, you know, Gateway and what they did there and being able to be up front and have the restarts and experience those th- situations. It, um, they're, they're doing a great job. Uh, you, you know, yeah. best year that they've had so far. And uh, I, I think they're only getting better. Yeah, I think so. Great stuff. We appreciate Blake and everyone up at Front Row Motorsports. Uh, once we got off the air, he corrected me. It's in Mooresville. They moved from Statesville. They're in Mooresville, North Carolina. So how about that? We go to Road America. Uh, Todd, there's a number of things I'm going to be looking at from Road America. Uh, Michael McDowell is obviously one of them, and we've kind of kicked that around a lot with Blake. Uh, I'm really going to be curious to see what RFK Racing, yep. Chris Busher, and yep. Brad can do up there. Yeah, definitely. Uh Definitely a place that I think, uh, you know, Busher had a great run going at Sonoma. Uh, Blake talked about tire degradation, drive, some of the same aspects, just a faster environment yeah. here at Road America. I think those two, let's see how the Gibbs camp kicks back around because they struggled through Sonoma. And you've got three road courses coming up in the next nine races. So, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting. Uh, the nine car won this one kind of driving away last year. Let's right. see how the Hendrick camp is with a new car there. Yeah. Um Lots to talk about. Lots to figure yeah. it out. Trackhouse has run both road courses this year. Yeah, and, and, so. ben, and Ben and the '99 car has been dominant at both. Well, you yeah, because you think about that first stage. Coda, he was he was the best car by far. He we just, would not have had that spectacular finish at the end if he'd have been right, up there because right. he'd have been I, gone. I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Um, so we'll see where it all goes. It's a uh, this year. There's nothing guaranteed. <laughs> there is nothing guaranteed God. this year about uh, what's going to happen to race, and it just makes it exciting to watch them. 
If you don't like what you saw last week, tune in next week. It'll be totally It'll be different. different. It'll be completely and if different. your guy had a bad week last week, tune in because he's going to be really good this week. Uh, bless your heart, if the guy had a good week, you might be in for a little rough sledding, just the way things have been. It's been crazy. The other, the other piece coming for you, talked about RFK. We've talked about, you know, yeah. Michael in here. The four car. Yes. Kevin Harvick. They, Rodney and Kevin are starting. They're knocking these. They're running the top five now. And, and, and really, Kevin blew up at Sonoma because they have a good pit stop at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah. They might win that race. Uh, yeah, you're right. So it'll be interesting to see what, what Rodney and, and Kevin one. do. I look for them to make a run into the playoffs and not do it on the points side. Yeah, I think I, I'm with you. If I had to pick someone over the next nine races that gets to victory lane, their trajectory and their experience, yep. similarly to what Blake talked about with Michael McDowell. Kevin Harvick is going to keep you in races, put you in a spot. Rodney is certainly gutsy enough and good enough on the pit box to put Kevin in spots where I think that uh, I, I agree with you on that. Motor Racing Network going to be busy all weekend long up at Road America, 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time, NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying. 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Saturday, the Henry 180 for the NASCAR Xfinity Series. And on Sunday afternoon, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, the Quick Trip 225 presented by Jockey Made in America NASCAR Cup Series race. Rolls right off the tongue. So, Motor Racing Network, looking forward to a great, great weekend up there. And, Todd, always a great, great chance to hang out here on Crew Call. Appreciate you swinging by the studio and hanging out and having some fun here. Yeah, it'll be great. And uh, looking forward to what next week brings us is a summary of what we've got here. And moving forward into Atlanta. Into Atlanta. Oh, my gosh. Well, that is really great. Hey, we appreciate, uh, again, Blake Harris joining us here on the program. But more important than all of that, thank you for joining us here on Crew Call, presented by Flow Racing. Subscribe today at www.flowracing.com. 